0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption podcast. I'm your host, Jared Petty, and in just a moment, we're going straight to the wild, wild guest But first, a little bit of a special announcement for you in case you haven't already heard. Red Dead Radio Live is coming to PAX West 2018. That's right. If you're going to be at PAX, you can attend a live filming of Red Dead Radio. That's going to be on Saturday, the 1st of September. That's Saturday, September 1st, 11 a.m. at the Sasquatch Theater. Saturday, 11 a.m., Sasquatch Theater, again, September 1st. We're going to have a panel of guests there together to talk about the games that helped create, helped inspire, helped inform Red Dead Redemption and the Western genre in general. That's going to include Christine Steimer, Brittany Baumbacher, and of course, John Ryan. And we'll all be there together talking about Red Dead. By the way, if uh, you like the stuff that I make, uh, then you can also uh, go and uh, be a part of the quest for the perfect Superman game, which is our uh, uh, PAX panel that I'm hosting along with Greg Miller, Corey Barlog, uh, Sidney Goodman, and Cat Bailey. And we're all going to be talking about why Superman games suck and how maybe we could actually hope that one day they could become good. That panel is going to be held in the Wyvern Theater. That's Friday at 3 p.m. at PAX, Friday at 3 p.m. That one will also be streamed as it's going on live on Twitch. Red Dead Radio, on the other hand, will be recorded for future distribution. And that's what I want to talk about here next. We're going to get to our guest in a moment. But next week's episode of Red Dead Radio will be delayed to coincide with that PAX panel. So here's what's going to happen. Next Thursday, I'm not going to be here to record. I'm going to be on an airplane flying to PAX. Uh, and then I'm going to be running around from panel to panel. So I'm going to record that episode with John Ryan and friends there on that Saturday. And then following that recording, I'm going to fly back here, do a couple other things, And around Tuesday of next week, check out your feed. Around that time, you should be seeing Red Dead Radio Live available for your viewing pleasure. So once again, look forward to Red Dead Radio Live sometime that following probably Tuesday, September 2nd, or a little after. So if you're like, where's my Red Dead for next week? That's what happened. We're using that episode. Uh, I really hope that if you're there, you can come be a part of it. Always uh, mail us at mail at reddeadradio.com to let us know and we'll read some of those on the show, hopefully. Thank you for supporting what we do here. Um, This is entirely a Patreon supporter initiative, as you know. And uh, every... Uh, Every dollar you send helps keep us going. Uh, Patrons get a lot of pretty neat perks, including, uh, of course, the delightful Am I Boring You Get with Jared Petty, which is a show that I don't understand why anyone likes, but for some reason, some people do, where I just rant about things people ask me to rant about until I'm tired of talking about it. Yeah, that's about as compelling as it sounds. Anyway, not a lot of big uh, Red Dead news uh, popping this week. Uh, John Ryan's over in Europe right now doing his thing, and so, what I've done this week is uh, arranged an interview with a good friend of mine, Miss Leah Jewer of Girls on Games. Um, we're going to be talking about Red Dead in general and Westerns in particular together. That was a distance interview. It'll be uh, cut in here in just a moment. I want to thank you all for your support. If you want to help us keep going, again, patreon.com slash Jared Petty or reddeadradio.com takes you right there. If you want to contribute to keeping the show going, that would be extremely, extremely helpful. Another way you can really help is to go on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use and give us a good rating, write us a rating, give us a good star rating. That helps immensely for the show to grow. Uh, you've been a part of something special. Red Dead is rapidly approaching. And, uh, I think in the next few weeks that that'll be kind of our make or break time for the program. Appreciate you being with us for so far, so long. Um, all right, we're going to cut straight into that interview now. And, uh, next time I see you, we'll be, uh, live there at PAX. So, uh, have a good week, uh, or a little over a week this time around and, um, talk to you soon. Hi friends, welcome to the so-called Hot Blip and the Jump Studios, a.k.a. the junk pile behind me. Uh, I, I'm I your host, Jared Petty, and today's very, very special guest, somebody I wanted to have on for some time, and who has patiently uh, awaited uh, a, a crossing of the stars to allow this to happen, Leah Jewer. we go going straight to the world. Leah, you're from from Girls on Games.
1: I am, and howdy. I think it's only appropriate if I greet you with a howdy.
0: Howdy, indeed. Uh, yeah. Howdy, Leah. So I'm. I now I don't do a lot of computer interviews, so I'm trying to look at you down on the little screen. But that means I'm always looking away. I must must look into the microphone game. and talk to Leah. Wait, look into the microphone. <laughs> now, that's
1: yeah. It's something to become accustomed to. Uh, For sure. This is how we run our Girls on Games podcast, so I'm kind of used to it now.
0: Tell me about (laughs) Girls on Games. Uh, Tell everybody about Girls on Games.
1: Sure. So uh, Girls on Games is something I started with uh, my best friend, uh, oh my, seven years ago now? Mm -hmm. Wow, time flies. Um, We started on a rock radio station website that we were webmasters for back in the day and uh it kind of evolved into for then syndicated on 13 radio sites and then we moved into our own website um so we have the website with articles and reviews and musings of all different types along with uh, a podcast which uh, i host which you were gracefully on i love that so much it was an amazing amazing episode and um we also have another esports podcast called Of Buffs and Nerfs, and a stream team on Mixer. So it's pretty much just a bunch of guys and gals talking about video games because we love them.
0: Yeah, I first encountered it through the editorial uh, side of it and then became familiar with the podcast. And uh, I was delighted. Uh, we we kind of stumbled onto each other on the internet. I think you just reached out one day and said hi. And...
1: Well, I, when you when you started back up with Kind of Funny... Um, and you started talking about Red Dead Radio, and you were talking about different. I think it was Westworld, the mm-hmm. very first one you're talking about, and then immediately I tweeted at you. I'm like, you need to talk about Deadwood because that's my favorite. Yeah, and we're cowboy thing.
0: And we've touched a little on Deadwood, but I really I do think we ought to go back to that today, just yeah, a little bit, de- because you love it so much. It's so good. <laughs> so Leah, when I, when I first mentioned having you on the show, you were like, I cannot wait to talk about this game. So let's get just right to it, Leah. Sure. Uh, Leah Jewer and Red Dead Redemption, what's, what's that story?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, so I've always had like this soft spot for cowboys and westerns. Um, my dad, my granddad kind of brought me up through it. It's something that I even like did a few like, uh, um uh, extracurricular classes, I guess you could say when I was in university and was like, oh. okay, I want to make my own little spaghetti Western. Um,
0: <laughs> did you make one?
1: I did. And it was all about two girls, sh- uh, fighting over a pair of shoes and I did the whole like close cuts with like the eyes and everything it's terrible please I was, tell me was, this like,
0: exists somewhere
1: it exists but it was a like it was such a like undergrad project that like yeah <laughs>
0: if, if you will send me this I will cut footage into the episode
1: <laughs> if I can find it that would be
0: amazing
1: uh, okay, it so it's got like good, the bad the by... ugly.
0: So why yes. were they fighting over shoes? Why were shoes? Because they both the critical wanted
1: shoe? this really hot pair of shoes in the store, so the two women were fighting over them.
0: I've never fought over shoes before. <laughs> Have you ever fought over shoes?
1: No. My right. husband probably, because he runs a sneaker podcast and oh. they, they like their kicks. Let's
0: stop right there. <laughs> my husband runs a sneaker podcast.
1: Yes, he does.
0: Expound. Because this okay. is the I didn't know sneaker podcasts exist
1: so there's not a whole lot of them i'd say mike and the crew probably have one of the largest um so it's called the sneaker podcast um it's hosted by my husband mike doll uh along with christopher chu and uh, a bunch of other guys that uh sit around a table every week and talk about their favorite sneakers uh they're all uh sneaker aficionados with amazing collections um it's it's pretty interesting. I think what happened somewhere in life, Mike and my roles like flipped, and he became the shoe fanatic, and I became the video game fanatic, and it works. He's an ex radio announcer and loves podcasting, and so that's why you see like the setup behind me now. Um, there's three mics ready to go because Mike's recording later on this evening.
0: My favorite sneaker related story. My my father a long time ago was working in a place where he uh, he met a young man that had. The word Nike with the swish um, cut into his hair. Like oh, he had, wow. had it clippered in. So he had the Nike logo on the back of his head. And my dad said, Why Nike? And the kid looked up at him without missing a beat said, Because I couldn't spell Adidas. And
1: <laughs> That's a good one. I thought that
0: was pretty good.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, these guys are probably, they're that passionate that they'd probably do that if not get tattoos. Um, Does your husband it, it, have a shoe tattoo? No, he doesn't have any tattoos. That's one thing that we both don't have yet that we both need to get. Oh, you um, want
0: to get tattoos?
1: I want to get a tattoo. I want a video game controller.
0: Oh, really? so. which one, one day. Is it I be- don't
1: know. I don't know. I'm thinking we've got kind of like a nondescript one in the GOG logo. Oh, so I might use that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would love to have like a like on my wrist or something a video game one and then maybe like the Deathly Hallows on the other. Oh, I but like I just that. haven't I haven't really gotten the guts up
0: yet to if, I, if i was gonna i'm not gonna get a tattoo because i'm terrified of needles of all kinds oh but um, that
1: doesn't bother me it's more the fact of what do i want permanently on my skin for the rest of life right
0: well if it's going to be a controller it needs to be a wave bird i mean that's that's the <laughs> obvious answer of all
1: the controllers that one <laughs> absolutely the finest
0: controller ever manufactured by human beings <laughs> The Revolutionary (laughs) Wavebird. I love that That's good. That's my favorite. So
1: So I guess to get back to your question about Red Dead, because we totally went on a tangent. That's all right. Um, We do that a lot around here. (laughs) I love it. So, yeah, when Red Dead Redemption came out uh, in 2010, um, I was like, oh, my God, finally, a video game that I can show my dad and he will understand why I like this. Because at that time, like, I wasn't doing girls on games or anything. Like, they were like video games. Like, it's a waste of time. So... Now, when I got to show them that, he was like, okay, now I get it. So, <laughs> there was that, like me playing a bit. Did he getting... play it
0: through with you? Or, or he, you didn't,
1: just... he watched a little bit because he mm-hmm. lives in Newfoundland while I'm in Montreal. Okay. So, while he came up to visit, I got to show him a bit. Um, and then I also played the Red Dead Undead, which was a lot of fun. Uh,
0: yeah. And was... I've
1: always... Okay, that was really good. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, and I, I fell in love with the game for multiple reasons. Uh, obviously, maybe not so much the part with Mexico, but... <laughs> You know, I, I think everybody hated that.
0: I I'm a weirdo. I like Mexico. Really? I know. We'll get wow. into that another time. I think, but at Mexico. Mm. I just replayed the game. I think Mexico is my favorite part of the game now. Really? I, I don't know what happened to me.
1: Wow. Something's
0: wrong with me now. But please continue. Cool. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I remember playing through that and just being totally enthralled by everything and like the little moments that on side quests that you, you know, the relationships that you're building with the characters in game, you know, just the fact that we're used to playing games that are more like technology focused and they usually go forward in time and this one going backward in time was Mm -hmm. a little different um, from everything else. And uh, yeah, it just made me feel a little bit, you know, closer to home since I had that relationship with my... Watching old westerns with my dad and granddad.
0: <laughs> what uh, what sold you the game? Like before you before you played it, before you bought it.
1: Well, I always knew that Rockstar was doing awesome stuff, and then uh, yeah, the fact that it was a western, I was like sold. Sign yeah. me up. I Rocks- went and bought it right away. <laughs>
0: Rockstar plus cowboys equals must buy. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's... And now it's Rockstar plus cowboys plus everything else that has to do that we know and love about Red Dead. I'm like sold. Like what are you looking? One- it's the one time I want to, like, actually pre-order a game. And I'm usually the first person to say, don't do that. So,
0: What are you, uh, what are you looking forward to most about this one?
1: Is it weird that I say the atmosphere?
0: <laughs> no, that's not weird at all.
1: <laughs> okay. Because uh, watching that gameplay reveal trailer that they had the other day, holy smokes. I think this is going to really show off the capabilities of, like, the Xbox One X and the PS4 Plus. Yeah. More so than anything. And, you know, in Zelda, how you had, well, Breath of the Wild, where it was kind of like you had to unthink some of your gameplay tropes that you were used to in order to do stuff, like realizing that if you had a metal sword on your back and it was a lightning storm, you might get shocked. Yeah. I think this game is going to do some of that. Oh. Because, cause I Because I think they've been really, really smart in pondering how a living world will react and taking that into account i think that's what breath of the wild did very well and that's why i loved breath of the wild Mm -hmm. it made me think outside the box but not really outside the box it was more along the lines of what you would do in real life and i think rockstar has had enough time to really think that much through the same way but feel more realistic because it's you know obviously you know great vistas and and desert landscapes and stuff that you know we can go and see in real life
0: yeah, they're so detail oriented in that, and 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 that's being played out in a macrocosmic sense in this world. Mm-hmm. That little things like light and shadow, little things like like simple like physics that that seem simple until they layer on top of each other, and suddenly you've got a living, breathing world. And and Zelda expressed some of that. I'll never forget watching people. Lay metal weapons in the dungeons across electrical circuits to solve puzzles in ways that were never intended. Just because yeah. it worked, it reminded me of NetHack, uh, where, where where you effectively have, or, or Dwarf Fortress, where you just kind of have a system and mm-hmm. you can fool with it. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they how they implement that here as well. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, the part with the like if you're taking a, a um, shot animal and putting it on the back of your horse and carrying it into town, it starts to decay and then creatures yeah. come after it, like. That's such a normal thing to think about, like, because mm-hmm. I come from a family who hunted and still do. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's stuff you have to think about. So to have that as a mechanic in the game is awesome because it's like really thinking about world real experiences that you would have had to deal with during that time and still do if you're a hunter.
0: Did you uh did you grow up in Newfoundland? Or... I did. OK, and I you did. hunted up there?
1: Uh, I don't hunt too much, mostly because I'm, you know, like mosquitoes and stuff. No, okay. uh, <laughs> but what, my what's, family does. We what's have a the game hunting cabin. Uh, caribou, moose, bear, uh, snaring rabbits, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah, lots of uh, game. I love eating that kind of food, and we're very much the type of folk too that, like, if we kill it, we eat it. Yeah, it's not nothing goes to waste. So yeah.
0: Mm. What's what's your favorite wild game to eat?
1: I really like moose. A good old moose stew is like reminds me of home. So. Mm,
0: I love that. Okay, that's the most that's the most archetypical Canadian thing I think I've heard anyone ever say. <laughs> Thank you for playing so. into the stereotype. Sorry, uh, that, no. you
1: know, I'm not saying a boot, and I'm not talking about toques, and maybe sometimes I'll throw in there an no, a but, you know. But
0: when you when when you say a good old moose stew that just tastes like home, that's mm-hmm. thank you for that one, Leah. You're welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I often dream of of journeying to the Canadas of yore and, and becoming a resident there. It's it's a country that uh, every time I've been to, I thought is is a just a really neat place. Oh
1: you know? well, definitely very much like the rest of the U.S., we definitely have pockets where the cultures are entirely different mm-hmm. and newfoundland is a rare gem so if you do end up wanting to venture down there at some point i will join you and i will show you newfoundland <laughs>
0: well, thank you i appreciate that angie wants to go to pei and be anne of Avonlea. she just wants to oh, run across meadows my uh, goodness
1: she will love that the red yeah. sands and everything absolutely gorgeous
0: yeah uh, we got to do it one day we'll, we'll come up and bu- bug you sometime there we go but we're tangenting again uh, you told me. <laughs> You were talking about uh, long back when we were talking about the uh, the shoe western. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said something about your grandfather, and I really am interested in, in this anecdote because I don't really know it. But you mentioned that you had a story about your granddad and and the old west that you wanted to tell, and I'd like to hear it.
1: Sure. So growing up, my grandfather was very obsessed with the old paperback novels by Louis L'Amour, and he would collect them. So um, in Newfoundland, like we had like. One I guess one major bookstore And he lived in a town called Botwood um, That's where my dad grew up It's about five hours away from St. John. St. John's being the capital of the province There's about maybe 15,000 people there. There's not a lot of people there. So um, he would always come into town. In St. John's? No, in Botwood, where my dad grew up. I'm not really sure what the population is. Anyways, I might be totally wrong on that. It might be different now. But uh, yeah, he would come into St. John's and visit with my grandma as well to visit with the family. And we'd always go down to secondhand bookstores and look for Louis L'Amour books. And he had this little notepad where he actually wrote down every single book he already owned and the ones that he was missing. So he would tell me, like, go on a hunt, and we'd go through old bookstores. You know how good old bookstores smell, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: They either, they, they smell they smell like knowledge and and love and mold, all kind of together. You, exactly, but it.
1: you you just love it, yeah, that, yeah. The ink and the paper and... Oh. Yeah. So yeah, I would spend time with him, like rifling through books, trying to find him all the issues that he was missing. Uh, I never actually read through any of the books, but he loved it. And he also introduced me to like the old Westerns and the the spaghetti ones and, uh, you know, stuff like Good, the Bad and the Ugly and all that kind of stuff. So that's where my love of Western culture came from.
0: You mentioned uh, spaghetti Westerns a few times. Now, why the special affection for those?
1: I think they were the ones that were on TV a lot. I know that the history behind a lot of the Spaghetti Westerns is that they were the cheaper ones to be made because they would go and shoot them other places and uh, that were a little less expensive. Like, I think they were often shot in Spain. Yeah, usually um, in Spain. Exactly. So, I don't know. It just seemed like they were the ones that were on TV all the time if it wasn't about that or something with John Wayne in it, right? So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well it makes sense the licensing would have been cheaper they were cheaper to make so they could sell yeah. them to the television cheaper.
1: yeah and they were always dubbed over with like really really terrible lip dubs because the folks were spanish and couldn't say any of the words they just moved their mouths and yeah it, a lot of them were it italian always looked like the it was, spanish yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. so you'd have the dubbing so when you're like you're like 10 year old kid with your grandpa these slow tedious badly dubbed westerns what drew you to them
1: I don't know. It was something about the the aesthetics of it all, the rawness, the like way life was just, yeah, the films were slower, but it felt like life was slower and more, like there was more time to breathe in between the minutes. I, like I, I don't know a, a better way to put it, but yeah, and the, the way that they were shot was always so cinematic and I'm hoping that Red Dead Redemption 2 really pulls on that a lot.
0: I mean, the first one leaned into it definitely, and they've had mm-hmm. a long time to build. I like what you just said about about the the the, the, the sure the films were slower, but life was slow. That's that's really good. I, I'm going to steal that if you don't. Oh, want. go right oh. ahead. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I like that a lot. So your grandfather would go look for Louis L'Amour books for people that aren't familiar with those. Uh, there are what approximately seventy thousand different Louis <gasps> L'Amour novels, something rem- like that.
1: Yeah, like he had this little notebook, and there was, and he would have like at least three or four lines of just like the numbers so i'd be like okay today i need to find 49 171 and 256. Yeah. Do you know what i mean like <laughs> and it was of, ridiculous
0: and the <laughs> thing about books being numbered like that that's a, that's so rare and it says something about the about the western mythos i mean outside of like children's books about the hardy boys or the babysitters <laughs> club can you think of novels that are numbered in sequence like that
1: i would say there's not as they don't last as long as these two. I mean, yeah. we've got like the the Harry Potter series sure. and, uh, and and the Game of Thrones series, but like never do they get to the point where you get in the hundreds. And Babysitter's Club, a Boxcar Kid, the Boxcar Children, yeah, yeah I think that's Oscar what it Children. Is. Uh, all of those, they were ones where it was just like story after story after story. At borderline, I borderline think it was because they wanted us to buy all of them every time they came out in that scholastic book order thing as kids.
0: And I think that's like, a little more thing because I don't think they're yeah. like sequels to each other for the most part. I know mean, no, they're interconnected characters, but I don't think it's like 200 books about the same dude.
1: No, I don't uh, think so either.
0: Um, do, you, uh, do you ever read Western novels?
1: Not so much anymore. Right now I'm reading a lot of books about video games and how they're made. Oh,
0: really? <laughs> I'm, in a,
1: I'm in a, a big kick right now. Um, oh, my God. I wish I remembered the name of the one that I'm reading right now. But I just uh, read Jason Schreier's book. fell in love and it's 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 great yeah it's great reading through the stories of these games that i've played and some that i haven't that now i want to go and play because he's made them sound so interesting and it makes me really respect the workflow that goes into a video game the type of things that could hijack the development that are out of totally out of uh, the developer's control
0: you ever gonna write a book about games leah
1: i'm not much of a writer no, I'm much of a more of a visual person or a talker. I could make it. I, I, have a podcast about talking. Yeah, you about do have <laughs> a. So you talk about an
0: excellent <laughs> podcast that I listen to regularly. I really do enjoy <laughs> Girls you. on games. It's Thank it's you fair. very much. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll talk more about how folks can find that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, you're also so you you run a podcast. This is actually a pretty good segue here. You also your day job. You work for iHeartRadio. Yes, uh, I
1: am the senior product manager at iHeartRadio Canada.
0: Your husband's into radio. You run a podcast. You're a radio professional. Um, I wanted to ask you for a second about radio and the Old West. You just got back from a country music festival. I yeah.
1: did. We did. just did uh, a lot of content collection, and we were partners uh, at Boots and Hearts, which happens in Aurelia, Ontario, and so, it was like a three-day festival. So I feel I feel very appropriate and right now in the right frame of mind for talking about country stuff.
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about country stuff for a second, and specifically about about the audio tradition of the old west i mean we were talking about louis lamore and the Mm -hmm. dime novels people have been writing penny dreadfuls about the old west since the old west was contemporaneous yes but when radio came along um when i was a kid my you know cracker do you all have cracker barrels in canada
1: no, but I know it because I lived in Savannah for two years.
0: You lived in Savannah? And oh, I really? I did
1: my master's degree in Savannah, Georgia at nope.
0: SCAD. At SCAD? Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I have a friend that's a SCAD graduate. Um, I know Savannah pretty well. We'll have, talk, we'll have Savannah cast someday as there well. There we go. I've, I love Savannah. <laughs> um, but you know, when I was a kid, we traveled with these Cracker Barrels, and we would, you could uh, buy tapes of old radio shows, old radio dramas. Um, the ones that I remember buying as a kid, I bought a lot of The Shadow uh, of course. but but two that I really, really got stuck on were I got an audio recording of the original cast of Stagecoach doing oh, wow. an audio version of John Ford's Stagecoach as a radio play.
1: Wow. Um, was that like know, an NPR recording or something?
0: No, it was it was very early radio. I do not okay. know it and it wasn't like years later. It was recorded when the movie was fairly contemporaneous. Oh, wow. And uh, yes, yeah, so it was the original cast of Stagecoach reading Stagecoach. And then the other one you have is, uh, the, of course, old episodes of The Lone Ranger uh, radio broadcast. And I wanted to ask you about the, the world of audio, particularly audio drama, audio storytelling, and musical storytelling around the West, and, and kind of get an insider's perspective on why... As Westerns have, have kind of touched us in everything from, uh, from television with, you know, series like you know, Gunsmoke or Bonanza or much more modern things like Firefly or as they've done it in films, spaghetti Westerns or some of the great classic Westerns or contemporary films like uh, Unforgiven and things like that or books. You were mentioning Louis L'Amour earlier and, and of course, I, I think immediately about Larry McMurtry and, and people like that. What about the audio end of it? Why has the old West and why has the idea of a Western and country mythos, because we do call it country and Western music, Mm -hmm. permeated the audio entertainment, the audio artistic traditions of our lives? What do you think about that?
1: It's funny because when I was sitting at Boots and Hearts the other night listening to Alan Jackson play. And listening to the words in the song, I turned to my husband because I'm not the biggest country music fan, mostly because it's just not something that's played on the radio when I grew up and when I moved to Montreal or anything like that. It's some more of a Western Canada thing. And I was sitting there, I turned to my husband and I was like, I get it. I understand why people like country music so much. And it's probably along the same kind of reasons of why these plays and everything works so well in audio form it's that they're simple stories about real life experiences that everybody can relate to right i mean just living is and and trying to you know get through your day to day is something that everybody can relate to and just like we're talking about the movies the bit ago and how slow the pacing is and i think that leads itself well to an audio uh storytelling format Mm -hmm. so like in normal radio right now, we don't hear much of like the the story time sort of shows. It's very much like we have news talk radio and then music radio. There's mm-hmm. nothing in between. And even the news talk radio, it's usually like, okay, we're talking about news parts. You might have a segment that's covering a specific topic, but it's never like you sit down and it's a recurring, you know, like each week you pick up at the exact same spot. Now with podcasts, like things like Serial and stuff like that, you get way more of that. And I think yeah. that really leads back to uh, those old stories, audio stories that like you used to pick up at Cracker Barrel, right? And it's it's something that got like worked out of the system and now is coming back into the system because we just, it's something that's easy to listen to while we're doing other things. Because obviously we're in a, in a society now where we can't do just one thing at a time. We have to be doing 10. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and yeah, I think it's 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 really interesting to watch the evolution of audio and especially now with all our voice activated devices and podcasting being a big new thing, um, even though it's been around for years, it's just now getting picked up in the mainstream that I think we're going to see a lot more of these like story based episodic, almost like audio books. And mm-hmm. I love audiobooks. I think they're like one of the best way to consume content expound uh the harry potter audiobooks i'm obsessed like it's just the way they're able to capture a mood and and tell a story through intonation uh voice changes and i know the sorry the harry potter one is just one guy doing all the voices but he's able to do that in such a form and and create the same sort of mental picture in my head as when i read and i often prefer it to watching the movies, mostly because I can have that movie playing in my head and imagine what I want way better than maybe someone could visually show me.
0: Uh, the quality of the narration uh, definitely could do amazing things with those. I like yeah. audiobooks too and, and listen to a fair number. My wife listens to them on a nonstop loop. They are oh, wow. an everyday part of her life, uh, and and which I think is really, really cool. But it, for me, it often is about the narration. And, and the uh, what, what what separates a good and a bad audiobook narrator?
1: Just like acting. I think it's the way that the person enunciates, um, knows to take pause. It's very musical, it, often knowing where to speed up, to add anxiety through the tone of voice, through the way the words are phrased. Um, that's what really makes a good audiobook reader to be able to essentially act it out through vocals. Um, that that makes well, good radio hosts are good at that too. Yeah, right. They know when to put the right pauses. It's it's funny because I've been in this for seven years now, just to know the difference between someone says, you know, uh, whether they put the emphasis on red, dead, or radio. It's like you're listening to red dead radio versus you're listening to red dead radio. They're two different things, but Hmm. who, and they sound, you know, totally different and they have different moods. And it's, it's crazy to know that you can do that just through phrasing and pausing. And the, one of the best people at that is William Shatner.
0: Oh, Oh really? yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause think about how Shatner, he has that. So like that, that style to how he speaks and everybody recognizes him for it, right? But it's just in how he phrases his sentences.
0: All right, now you're not just picking William Shatner because he's Canadian and you're representing the Canadians here. Right?
1: No, no. Okay. I mean if you want another good one, um I love Shatner. Oh my god. Brother. Chris for Walken.
0: Okay. <laughs> this that distinctive like like voicing out. So like do, you, do when you're when you're talking, do you attempt to use like like reflective intonation like that? Uh, when to... I do
1: my podcast, like I do, uh, sometimes decide to put on the radio voice That's... that I've learned over time.
0: Awesome! <laughs> I love <Yeah>. that.
1: <laughs> I try. It's it's funny and it's it's interesting too. After you. Um, are in it for so long that you know how people are going to speak and when they're in normal voice and then when they go to radio voice for all the an- announcer friends that I have. Um, you know, it's like, I, I know when they say, you're listening to Virgin Radio, Montreal's number one hit radio station. It's like to a point now where I can like do it on my own just because I've listened to it and edited it that many times.
0: I've practiced my regionless diction. That's exactly. right.
1: Exactly. Uh, yes. <laughs> you talked
0: to, you were talking about the uh, radio plays earlier um you know i mentioned stagecoach i experienced stagecoach as a radio play before i ever saw the movie
1: oh wow and
0: so my mental picture of stagecoach i didn't you know i knew what john wayne looked like but mm-hmm. i wasn't thinking about who the other actors were so i had this picture and they do some really clever things like the shootout in the street where he's fighting the three brothers you mm-hmm. know how do you do that on the radio that was such some very clever storytelling uh, they've got the uh, the young lady that that he's picked up on uh, Dallas that, that that he's met on the stage coast, and he's going to face the brothers of the climactic ending and she's like and she's praying for him like that's what you hear she's like lord he's all by himself and it's it's 3 against 1 lord and then there's a bang off in the distance and she's like like i said it's 2 against 1 lord and you know <laughs> and that's how they play out the gunfight you know and it's but it's clever how else how do you dick how do you narrate a gunfight um, it,
1: it had to be well written to start right yeah, and i guess they thought about how they were going to act that out in a scene on a, on a theater right it's so different from um at a doing a movie right because they probably say if they they did act that out as a theater play that bang would come from off stage somewhere and you probably weren't aren't seeing the gunfight you just see the lady doing her monologue in the middle of this of the floor right
0: and i love that i love that illusion have you ever seen the Fraser episode radio days uh about about recording the old radio drama in a contemporary studio
1: No, I don't. It's been a long time since I've seen Frasier.
0: So Frasier depends on the episode, but some of them are gold. And that one, that one's spectacular. That's one of the best like comedy of errors episodes I've ever seen of any sitcom. But um, where where do you think uh, radio plays went? What happened? Why did they die? And why are they coming back as podcasts?
1: I think it had to do with what the trends were. Music obviously was what was driving the ratings and the ratings, how high your ratings are then goes to show how expensive your ads run. um, And people wanted to listen to music and it's hard. um, You don't know when someone's going to turn on a radio, right? What time of day, what their situation is. It's very rare that someone will actually turn on the radio at like on the hour when the time flips over into a new segment or a new show. Right. Mm-hmm. So someone could pick up in the, at, you know, at the 15 minute mark at the 23 minute mark or right at the end. So music just leads more. Cause you can, you can, you don't mind sitting through the last two minutes of a song rather than if you picked up a show in the middle and didn't know what was going on. So I think that worked its way out of the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with podcasts, because everything's on demand You can start whenever you want and you can pause it and you can play it faster or you can play it slower. And however you want to consume it, you can, you know, rewind if you need to. And I think that's that control to be able to consume the content at the rate and at the way you want to has really given podcasts that big lift.
0: All right. So since you're not here to draw a card, Leah, that does present a bit of a problem for luck of the draw. Can you the, pull one for me? And the Red Dead. So what I have done is I have gone to our list of random non-Red Dead related topics. And okay. I've, made, I've made a selection here right for you. So this one okay. comes from, from Dante from the Pockets Full of Soup Facebook group.
1: Nice.
0: Um, and Dante says, if you could introduce two people in the world, dead or alive, whoever, they didn't matter, they could be people. If you could introduce them to each other, who would you choose to have meet one another?
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: So what we're da- doing is we're taking two people from any time in history, living or dead, and you get to be like, hey, such and such, meet such and such. You're just kind of like you're hanging out at the party or, and you're, you're going to get them to shake hands there or you're mm. going to. Who do you want to meet whom? And then, of course, you get to be a fly on the wall for the conversation, too, um, or involved, if, if you wish. But who do you want to bring together?
1: OK, so one of my favorite people that I've always wanted to meet is Michael Jackson interesting I think he's amazing musician i i it's wild and then the other person that i want him to meet and they probably already did before michael jackson passed away is dave kroll because so i think he's one of the greatest living musicians right now wow. so i would love them to write a song together
0: i okay so you want to introduce michael jackson to dave kroll so they can write a song together yeah that they, they probably already co- met
1: before he died
0: but they never co-authored anything uh, that you're aware I of. I don't think so, no. Yeah, because I don't know during anything
1: time, Like, I guess Dave Grohl would have been doing Nirvana stuff. Michael Jackson was kind of, like, on his way out of a lot of production because most of his stuff maybe was in the 70s, late 80s. And then, I guess, when Dave Grohl was doing Nirvana, it was more like grunge, which is so opposite from what, you know, the King was doing with his, the like, style of music. But now, like, just... Hearing some of the stuff that Dave Grohl does, um, especially lately, I don't know if you watched mm-hmm. the most recent like video that he produced uh, called "Play," where I he plays not. Ev- he plays every instrument himself, um, and it's a, like a twenty one minute long song. It's fantastic.
0: It sounds like and, some. This sounds like some prog rock right there. I, I uh, like uh, yeah, King it's Crimson comeback line, stuff right there.
1: Borderline that. Yeah, it's like feels like Rush or or, or um, Pink Floyd or something, Soul. but. It still feels like the Foo, cause it's still Dave. And I don't know, I just think there's something about, I instantly know a Michael Jackson song or a song that is inspired by him and can draw the references. And I can do the same thing with a song, a Foo Fighter song or something Dave Grohl does. So I would love to hear something the two of them could put together put
0: th- i like I that pretty cool. that's really neat i i uh, yeah. michael i was thinking the other day and it never occurred to me I, I was singing along with um uh i was singing along with smooth criminal and i'd never really thought before about the fact that really he's just singing a forensics report to a really funky beat <laughs> he is. and i tweeted about that and somebody tweeted back at me and they're like yeah but i mean billy jean's about a paternity suit so i you know i was like you're right it's he can make mm-hmm. really funky music about very mundane things. Dick Grohl's a fascinating choice though. I, is... I you know, what, is it, what is it about him you love so much?
1: I like his thoughts on music um, lately. I like the songs that he writes and his life story is really interesting because if you think about it, after Kurt Cobain died, he could have just like did nothing, right? He was the drummer and then, but then he decided to go and, and, and write all this music. And now I think he's a bigger musician than he ever would have been if nirvana stuck around yeah so no yeah he's like the legendary rock musician right now for our time i would say
0: i yeah i'm an old man and i remember when people made fun of the food fighter (laughs) i remember when people made fun of the food fighters um because he was the drummer from nirvana like they that was that band that the drummer from nirvana started and that was a joke uh yeah My, how times have changed. Oh, Uh, yeah. Now
1: it's like it's hard to get a ticket to one of his shows.
0: So when it comes to the Red Dead Radio Poker Tournament, Leah, Mm -hmm. you are, I don't have a great solution for this. You are our remote guest extraordinaire. This is a new thing. And so I think what I'm going to do, if it's all right with you, is we're going to take a wild card. Jeez, I can't
1: talk today. (sighs) It's because we're doing this at 3, isn't it? Or noon your time. It's noon. It's
0: early. No, I'm just sucked today, Leah.
1: No, you're fine. Uh, Uh,
0: I think what we're going to do today is uh, take a rain check on the poker, but it's a real rain check. Uh, So what I'm going to do, this this is going to be something that I'm going to hold in my pocket. Someday, I will be there in the candidates of yore, or you will be here in the United States of America we're going to whip out the camera on site. We're going to play that hand of cards, right? there. Sounds great. OK, You'll probably
1: win because I really don't know how to play poker. <laughs> that's
0: all right. Most of the guests don't. I've learned and that's part of the fun. But uh, before we go from this part of the show and, and move on to the next, I, I do want to thank you. But more importantly, I, I want you to talk for a, a minute more about Girls Hunt Games and what makes it special, because um, I've been a fan of your work for a long time. And I do think it's it's good. People are always asking me, "Hey, what are good podcasts to listen to? What are good places to go for news?" And y'all are a go-to. Can you explain what makes what you do uh, unique and and uh, and poignant in this kind of crowded video game space?
1: Sure. Well, thank you so much for uh, passing on the love because we really appreciate that. Uh, it's always a struggle when you make you you know, of course, when you make something a passion project and uh, to get eyeballs, earballs. Not really your balls. I like Yours, your balls. Anything listening, you know, like it, it, it's a struggle. But um, the thing about girls on games that, you know, when it started, it was Catherine and I really just wanting to, you know, justify our video gaming habits in a sense, <laughs> because at that time we were playing games, but not and and having conversations over it, and like that was the thing that broke the ice when I got to meet her at a new job, and it's something a common ground that we had, and I think that that's something. Something a lot of people can use. Um, we the thing about the Girls on Games community and our team and everything is we're all just a bunch of folks that really like playing games, and we don't care what type of games they are. They could be hardcore shooters, CSGO, GO, something like that, or it could be a mobile game. We figure if you're doing anything, you're and uh, playing a game. It doesn't matter what type it is. You're a gamer, and it's. Obviously, we've dealt with the fact that we're women talking about video games. We're a very positive, inclusive bunch as well. Um, We obviously dealt with our fair share of uh, crap when it comes to, uh, you know, the normal stuff with Gamergate and all that jazz. But we try and keep it a positive outlook on everything. And, uh, you know, but we're not afraid to uh, call a game or somebody out when it's uh, necessary. But at the same time, we do really, really try to stay positive with it all. And you know what? It's This is a form of entertainment, a way for us to escape from the everyday life. And uh, I love doing it with my friends. Every every week when I sit down and have a conversation with Kat, Simon, and Allie, it's one of the highlights of my week because I just get to sit there and shoot the shit with them. <laughs> I don't know if I was allowed to swear or not. You are.
0: Absolutely. No, justifi- <laughs> you used the word justified. Um uh, when you were talking about it, wh- why justified? What what is it about our particular hobby or habit or passion that makes us feel like we have to justify it to other people? Because it's a feeling I relate to. I-
1: yeah i think the video game industry is in its infancy infancy when it comes to a media source we're kind of in like this really interesting time right now the fact that fortnite is getting all of this press you know usually people would think oh video gamers is just like uh, a nerd in their basement playing you know stuck in their mama's basement that kind of thing it is not like that at all anymore right and if it ever was i exactly like you don't That was just the stereotype that it was given and breaking those boundaries is is really important because video games are bigger than movies video games are more interactive i can go and live millions of different lives and escape from the everyday just by playing a video game on on my phone or here on my pc so it's kind of amazing
0: what's uh what are you playing right now
1: uh most recently uh i was playing god of war but then having to travel that's been a challenge uh i have replaying fantasy life on my 3ds because ally mentioned it the other day and then i was like oh my god i need to play that again mm-hmm. so i pulled that out uh but the past two days i've been picking up this game uh, it's a little indie one by hop frog and it's called forager And you're essentially this little dude and i'm really into simulation farming games lately and you're this little dude uh you know collecting wood and stone and whatever and just trying to live your life very much i guess like a like a western scenario in that sense Um, but after you go you can purchase more lands and grow your your space and then biomes start coming where you can get different food or build different Uh, things
0: sold sold it's yeah go
1: (laughs) no jared it's right up your alley go check it out like i after i played the demo because they had it on itch or something then they had the closed beta and i was like i will support that on patreon so i can play it so that's what i did all day yesterday and uh yeah i reached out to the developer and i was like yo you need to be on the podcast because i am so addicted so okay what's it called again forager
0: forager it sounds that sounds Not, like some some caro crack right there and, i am i am in for that
1: and it has like uh zelda-esque vibes with like some dungeon crawling and then it has some stardew valley-esque vibes with the whole like you know like uh, just trying to get things and you could plant stuff and whatever like it's just a pure addiction
0: oh yeah i don't have time for this goodness that that oh, sounds great I, it's uh, awesome yeah i've had to limit myself uh this i i uh, the only thing I can say about this is I'm working on the uh, Dragon Quest XI review for IGN. Uh, and I can't say any more about it because I'm working on the review. I can't do anything to But it. I feel you. Yeah. So that uh, is taking up most of my playing time. But I have been replaying a minute on the Switch now that it's out. Ooh, and
1: nice.
0: minute's delightful. I don't know if you've had a chance to play it. but No, uh,
1: I haven't. That's What's
0: like... That Minute's a great game. It, the whole game is only like two or three hours. unless. Okay. You're, now, it actually has a lot of post-game content, which will extend it okay. well beyond that. Um, but you can get the main story in two or three hours. Minute is a, a little top-down action-adventure game where every 60 seconds you die.
1: No oh, matter wow. what
0: You just die every 60 seconds. And, but the world's persistent. So everything you've changed in the world stays changed. Huh. And you keep coming back. You keep reincarnating. Are you, like, away.
1: evolving each time? Like, one time you're a person, the next time you're a butterfly or something? No,
0: you're just a person. Okay. But all the stuff you change, all the stuff you find, all the stuff you discover and uncover mm-hmm. keeps changing. And you're solving puzzles and exploring in a world that you're changing one 60-second run at a time.
1: Oh, I'm going to have to try this. It's a
0: lot of fun. I've never played anything quite like it. Uh, i really, really a fan. Um, wow. it's uh it, it goes from, they do some very clever things with that mechanic uh and i'm, I'm a bit, but it's on switch now and it's that's 10 bucks well spent right there oh um, i'll have
1: to go pick that up because yeah. uh, i'm waiting for uh my time at porsche for my switch and i think this might be a good holdover.
0: it's great yeah it's, it's a real you can like i said you can play the whole game in two or three hours and and if you want to if you get into the speed runny part of it and there's that too you can dig a lot deeper so
1: oh awesome
0: Leah Juer, thank you for joining us on Red Dead Radio. Um, And and, uh, folks want to find you on social, at all, et cetera. Where should they do that?
1: Sure. So, uh, girls on games. We are on Twitter and Facebook at the girls on games. We're on Instagram at just girls on games. No the. Uh, we have a Discord channel, discord.me/girls on games, and then the website is girls on games.ca. But if you want to track me down, I'm usually on Twitter at Leah Jewer. L E A H J E W E R.
0: The Canada's of your that .ca. There it is again. All right. Thank you so much, Leah, and uh, friends. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Happy trails. I want to thank Patreon producers Stuart Ferguson, Tom Bach, Jonathan, Austin Riley, and William Holbert for making this program possible. Thanks all.